This is episode 218 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of Two Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. So welcome back to the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. It's Anita here. And on today's episode, I have a special guest joining me who is also a physiotherapist and will be sharing about postpartum exercise. And she loves helping women regain trust in their body and return to exercise feeling stronger than ever. So if you're not familiar with Rhonda, um, she is an orthopedic physiotherapist, a pre and postnatal fitness coach, and a mom to two girls. And after a more challenging recovery with her second daughter, she became obsessed with learning about all things core and pelvic floor. And so now she is on a mission to pay it forward with what she's learned. And if you don't follow Rhonda on Instagram, you definitely need to, because you will see that in every post that she, that she shares. So thank you so much for being on Rhonda. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. And it's, it is a bit of a small world for people who don't know Rhonda and I, we actually did our kinesiology degree together back in the day at McMaster. And then we went to different schools for a physiotherapy degree. And now it's pretty neat to see how many people from our class are like now into women's health, pelvic health, perinatal health. So I'm glad we got to like reconnect in this way too. Me too. Yeah. So why don't we, why don't we start with, cause I know you do have a big passion in terms of postpartum working with postpartum clients. So I mentioned about, you know, after your recovery with your daughter, your second mm-hmm. kind of, was that the main thing or kind of what really pushed you into working it with the postpartum population? Yeah, for sure. So I, before I had my kids, I was practicing as a orthopedic physiotherapist for about eight years before my kids. And I always sort of had an interest in working with women specifically. I think I just really connected with that population and um, tended to, I think just the age group I was in tended to attract pregnant people and loved working with them. And I think I had, I don't know if you would find this similar with your background, like I had a bit of a bias that I thought I had a pretty good understanding of how to um, help that population and how to provide advice and support. And I think I did a great job, um, but we don't know our own blind spots until we find them, right? So I, yeah, worked uh, really well with that population. I went through my first pregnancy with Sadie had pretty easy, thankfully, pregnancies, was able to work out throughout both of them. Um, After having Sadie, I was able to get back to exercise quite easily. So that sort of almost reinforced my bias that because I was fit and strong, um, I knew what I was doing and I was a physiotherapist. I had all this knowledge to get me back into exercise. And so, yeah, it wasn't until after my second pregnancy and even throughout my second pregnancy, 
it was a little bit more challenging, still pretty seamless, but I was, I dealt with some um, symphysis pubis, pubis pain. So some pelvis pain. Um, I had some prolapse pain, which I knew enough to call it a prolapse. I think at that time I had some friends that were pelvic health physios and yeah, felt a bulging anytime I went to the bathroom throughout that pregnancy. And I think even throughout that pregnancy, I just assumed that would go away. I assumed all those aches and pains and that heaviness feeling that I had would go away. And so after having Tegan, my second daughter, I basically tried to follow the same course I did with Sadie. So I took probably, I think, eight weeks off. I think I even took 10 weeks off thinking that will be a good amount of rest. Um, just did walking and stuff in that time. And then got back to, I work uh, at the time I worked at a CrossFit gym. So I got back into some workouts there. And again, just, you know, with my background, I knew enough to scale. I knew enough to lighten my weights, that kind of thing. But I don't think I, I sort of took for granted, you know, the, what my body had gone through. And so my first couple workouts back, I had a lot of muscle soreness, first of all, mostly in my core. So muscle soreness, I hadn't really felt before, almost felt like cramping with after those workouts. And then the heaviness feeling that I had throughout pregnancy became way, way worse. And so I panicked. And so after I think it was like two workouts back, um, and they were now looking back, they were pretty intense. It was what the first one was, like a 20 minute AMRAP of two different movements. And the second one was a five kilometer row on a rower, which again, like I justify. So this is where like, I talk a lot about athlete brain, which Brianna battles is one of my mentors. She talks a lot about that. My athlete brain really took over and I had a bit of an ego kind of that I had to work through where again, I just assumed because I was fit, I was strong. Um, I had the foundation. I worked out throughout my pregnancies and this is the problem, I think, in our sort of fitness world is that is sold to us. That's sold to us that mm -hmm. if we are A, B, and C, then we'll get back, we'll bounce back quickly. And so when that didn't happen, yeah, I panicked for probably two weeks. I did nothing because then I just felt lost. I felt like, okay, you know, again, I'm an athlete. I'm a physiotherapist. I'm clueless. I feel like I don't know what to do now. So that is what be, became, began my obsessive journey with learning all about the core and pelvic floor, because I knew how to rehab injuries. I knew how to rehab back pain. I knew how to rehab knee pain, but no one had taught me how to rehab pelvic floor dysfunction, right? And you would think as a physiotherapist that I would have that knowledge, but I did not at all. And that, you know, you would attest to this too. That's not something that's taught to us as part of the core curriculum as a physiotherapist. It was an elective course. I didn't take that course. So I had zero clue what to do. So I started listening and I'm super thankful for the, this podcast. So I listened to many episodes, which really educated me um, on the pelvic floor, on different dysfunctions, started following Brianna Battle. So she, her focus as well is pregnancy and postpartum uh, fitness. So yeah, just all of a sudden had a light bulb moment of, okay, so similar how I would rehab someone that's going through a back injury. I have to do the same thing with my pelvic floor. And why hadn't anyone taught me that? Why was that new? So then again, just, you know, went down this rabbit hole of finding out, you know, just soaking all this information up and just becoming so interested in it and just 
then having the passion. Okay. If I was lost about this journey, for sure, there's other women who are feeling the same way. And now I need to pay it forward and help, you know, use the knowledge that I've gained to help other people after babies get back into exercise with a plan. I love that. And I think so many people are going to resonate with that, both individuals who are not healthcare professionals, but also those who are, because it is so common. And I would agree, like with our physiotherapy degree, which was what, like 12, we graduated like 12 years ago from physio. Yes. There was not, there was like a minor, minor lecture on women's health, but that was essentially it. Like this is all post-grad stuff that we dive into. Right. Um, I think it's starting to change a bit, but we're still not fully there. And I think that's also a way too, I'm sure you've seen in your practice, like I see a lot of, I see a lot of care providers. People are surprised that care providers are going to pelvic physios to learn about their own body, learn about the pelvic floor to help their patients. Um, But also I see a ton of physios because they're like similar to you. I, I get rehabbing an injury, but because no one talks about the pelvic floor or birth, they're like, everyone's given birth forever. You're just going to heal. Life is going to go on. And I think, I mean, there's so many layers to that, especially because it is a women's health issue that it often kind of gets pushed aside. But yeah, I think it's great that you, you made that parallel of like all these other injuries get rehabbed. Why is postpartum not one of those times when we exactly need it? So yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I just, I love that you dove into it from that passion because it totally shows in everything that you've created. And I know you've got lots of things coming up. You're going to, you're going to dive into as well. Going back a bit, going into both of your pregnancies, had you done anything specifically to prepare or whether fitness or to do with birth or like, did you dive into education in that respect or did it, was it more based on like the knowledge you had had um, from not being pregnant? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did know enough. So throughout both pregnancies, I did go see a pelvic floor physiotherapist. So I think again, at that point I had friends with kids and I had, you know, I'm in the physio world, friends with a lot of physios and a few of them are in the women's health sphere. So I knew enough to go see one and just to get sort of a baseline knowledge of what was going on when I was pregnant. So that was really cool. But I would say in those appointments, because I didn't necessarily have dysfunction, I think, you know, I got a little bit of information, but because I wasn't really dealing with anything specific, um, it wasn't really enough to kind of pique my interest in, and learn more, I would say at that time. And so even so after I had Sadie, my first daughter, I did have sort of inkling of, okay, I think I want to start working with women. I think I want to focus my practice more on pregnancy and postpartum people, but I had our, we had our kids pretty close together. So it was a matter of, I only went back to work for, I think like eight months before I went off again. So it was a timing thing. It was basically, I know I want to take more training in this field because I think after going through my first pregnancy, again, I think I had a bias that I knew quite a bit but there was questions coming up with clients that I wasn't fully able to answer. Like, I think I remember clients saying, so like what exercises are safe to do with diastasis? And again, I think I would do a bit of like Google search and get a bit of a basis, but I didn't, I definitely didn't have a really good support and understanding on those topics. So yeah, so it wasn't until, and I, you know, it's in a weird way, I'm thankful that I had a tougher recovery the second time because it forced me to really get into that world more Um, which I think is many of us. And I think a lot of us get into this world because we have our own issues to deal with. 
and yeah, it just became so clear to me, so evident to me that I had such huge blind spots that I was missing out on a lot of information. And so, yeah, throughout my pregnancies, the only sort of education and things I did was I knew enough as a physiotherapist working in a CrossFit gym. So we, um, that is our primary focus is helping clients navigate exercise with injuries. So I had a really good base of how to modify things, how to, you know, if someone has knee pain with a squat, but they want to keep moving and they love doing squats, how can I get them to keep doing squats and manage that knee pain? So I think that is the super cool thing about my journey is like the background I had as a physio in an exercise world. Now just adding like the pelvic floor component to it. It's like the best of both worlds. And it's so cool to just look back and see how those two areas just like married each other so well. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm curious because I know, and people I know would would love to hear this too, if maybe even compare mostly to your recovery after Tegan, kind of the steps you took versus when you're working with clients now and coaching them through their postpartum recovery, what what are some things that you're guiding them on now during that, that you weren't aware of with your own recovery that you kind of wish you had known ahead of time? So again, so this, when I went back to exercise with Tegan, I jumped back really quickly, didn't know anything about the pelvic floor. And then when I stopped for two weeks, started learning about the pelvic floor, I basically just rewound everything and started from scratch. And yeah, so it's, it's interesting again, just knowing the knowledge I had about say, trying to help someone recover from a back injury. There's a lot of similarities, right? So it was basically starting. So, and the area I was really missing out on, and even as a physiotherapist with knowledge on exercise, I never learned about breathing, like, you know, attaching breath to your movement. And so that to me was such a light bulb moment of the importance of breathing. And that's still, I'm sure you're the same. Like that's something with every client, regardless of what they're going through injury wise, even if it is someone now with a back injury, we go back to the breath and we go back to, you know, just habits that they might have picked up over time. So I started with that. I started just laying on the floor, doing belly breathing, realizing how much tension I was holding in my tummy, realizing how much tension I held in my pelvic floor Um, I watched a video that you did about flower bloom breathing that still to this day is my favorite. Um, Just learn to just really get in tune with my pelvic floor. And again, even as a physiotherapist and athlete, I never paid attention to that part of my body, which again, like you said, there's so many layers to that. And I think, you know, there's, can be a lot of shame and embarrassment attached to those issues. And yeah, I just, again, started to become very vocal on why is this, this should be common knowledge. This should be things that all women know about. Um, So yeah, started with breathing and just basic rehab exercises. So like glute bridging, uh, side bridges, you know, just easing back into movement in a very slow, progressive way. And then over time, yeah, it started to look more like the exercise I love to do, but I just did it in a much more slow fashion. I love that. I think if anyone asked us back in physio school or in kin and said, do you think a big part of your profession will be teaching people to breathe? We all probably would have been like, yeah, no, but like <laughs> literally every client we see, right. It's back to the breath. And then I think for clients to see those light bulb moments and they're like, why don't people talk about this? Like, this is something anyone can do. And it's not, yeah. we're not just saying like breathe. Cause yes, we are all breathing because we are alive, but there are different strategies around breathing. And specifically today, like with talking with you, Rhonda, it's like, when we look at the fitness aspect, 
we don't want people overthinking about their pelvic floor, right? Like, especially when it comes to high impact jumping, running, any of those movements, I'm talking through clients from the start, like, yes, we're going to connect to your pelvic floor. You need to understand that maybe we need to work on strength coordination and that, but when we get to these higher intense, higher level movements, I want your pelvic floor to reflexively be doing what it needs to do. And how we can accomplish that is your breath. You're going to focus on your breath. If you're clenching and trying to do Kegels while you're running, you are likely still going to leak. You will still have pain. Like that is not what solves the problem. So love that you brought up breath. It is like the foundation and it just continues on, which is pretty awesome. So cool. And I love how you shared too, even just like the steps, right. In terms of like, Again, a lot of people are told do nothing for six weeks. And then magically at six weeks, your body is fully healed and you can get back to everything. Yeah. How you talked about like even like glute bridges and progressing, like there's a ton people can do between zero and six weeks if they want to. There's never like you have to do this. No. Um, but I find a lot with athletes, right? My background is a, being an athlete and a dancer too. And we want to move, like we mm-hmm. know it feels good. So mm-hmm. having that safe guidance of like, what can I do? And then yeah. progress past it. Right. So I know your clients appreciate hearing that from you because I'm sure like you work with all different levels, right. In terms of, yep, um, I do. of athletes. So, so, so key with that. What's your Instagram handle again, Rhonda? I don't want to, I don't want to. That's okay. That. So at Rhonda Chamberlain PT. Perfect. Because if you go to Rhonda's Instagram, you'll see, I mean, all of your posts, there's always movement incorporated into them, right? Mm -hmm. So we know movement is like a big passion of yours too. So now having two little ones, movement will look a little bit different. And I think a lot of clients had that that adjustment, right? Of like, it's not necessarily going to look like having your one hour workout, however many times a week. So how do you find you fit movement in and kind of what does that look like throughout the week? So I'll actually go back to the early postpartum phase again, because that was a big part of my journey too, was not only the physical healing, but I feel like, you know, grappling with the mindset of what exercise can look like. And so again, so after I had Sadie, my first, I was able to get, to get back to pretty intense CrossFit workouts uh, pretty quickly. And so I still maintain a schedule of like five to six days a week of working out, I work, I worked at the time at a CrossFit gym too. So that made that easier. And then, so when I was um, trying to navigate the rehab recovery phase after Tegan, my second daughter. So yes, I was dealing with prolapse symptoms and the abdominal cramping every time I tried to work out, but also trying to sort of wrap my mind around what counts as exercise, because as a longtime athlete, I had this idea ingrained into my brain that I had to work out, you know, five, six days a week, and it had to be super intense to count. So even in the past, I would joke, and I still joke with my clients these days that even yoga for the longest time, I did not like because it wasn't intense enough. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Whereas now I love yoga and I see the value in it. Um, But yeah, so I, you know, really had to just kind of navigate that whole mindset shift. And so I, I always say I started to parent myself in those early phases and try to not be so hard on myself and try to just softly quiet that athlete brain. And so I would tell myself, okay, Rhonda, like rest and recovery is part of the rehab process. 
And so, you know, moving your body five, six days a week, you might not need that. And it might actually be more beneficial to not work out that often. So that was hard for me, honestly, like the, the mental recovery was harder than the physical recovery. And so, yeah, so I remember so vividly, you know, I would tell myself, I would parent myself and say, okay, Rhonda, you're only, you're only, and I say in quotes, because it's still a good amount, you're only going to work out three days a week and the other days you're going to rest. And so I vividly remember lying on the couch on my rest days and that self chatter of like, you should be working out. You're on mat leave. You have the time. Why aren't you doing a workout? You know? And then the, the parenting and the, the gentle side of me would say, this is part of your recovery. Like, just take it easy. It's okay. You know, and slowly, slowly over time, it 100% didn't happen overnight. That guilt started to subside. And I started to realize, cause I think there was a lot of fear with dropping my workouts down to less uh, amount and less intensity because again, this goes into a whole more layers, but I, I had a fear of my body changing. I will say that I had a fear of my mental health being affected because I will say exercise has been a really huge part of managing anxiety. And I realized it was like an identity crisis in a way, right? Because I viewed myself as this athlete. I felt like I had to maintain this standard as a fit physio and working out three days a week didn't sound like enough. Um, so yeah, I really had to kind of navigate through that and to this day. So I am now my daughter, Tegan is uh, two and a half. I only, again, in quotes, I only work out three days a week. And honestly, I feel better in many ways than I ever have before. And I think a lot of it, yes, physically, I feel really good because I think I'm learning that my body appreciates just having the rest days and it feels really good with three sort of specific, uh, intentional movement days. And just, you know, dropping the guilt and just realizing that, again, it doesn't have to look a certain way to count. That was huge for me. Just, yeah, really adjusting that mindset. Yeah, no, I think people will appreciate that. Do you want to kind of dive a bit deeper into athlete brain? Because I know we've kind of talked mm-hmm. about it a little bit. And Justin, I've talked about it on the podcast. And I just think a lot of people relate to it who either grew up as an athlete, like continue that into adulthood. And it definitely is like a mental game when you get into pregnancy and potentially things are slowing you down in pregnancy that you can't control. And then especially in postpartum too. So do you want to dive a bit deeper into that, Rhonda? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the, the first thing with athlete brain is you don't necessarily have to be an athlete to have athlete brain. So um, I am an athlete and I was an athlete, but I, I guess I wouldn't call myself an athlete necessarily these days. I don't um, compete in any sport, Um, But anyone that has sort of that type A perfectionist, people pleasing nature, which is many of us, um, and we just have this sort of strict regimen of what things, again, should in quotes look like, that was me, right? So I just had this vision of what exercise should look like to count. And it's sold to us in the fitness world that it has to look a certain way to count. And so, yeah, to me, that's what athlete brain is, is just that very type A competitive, um, ego-driven way of looking at things. And so a big part of, you know, going through a pregnancy and postpartum is learning to just gently quiet that athlete brain and maybe use it in different ways. Like we can still use it because it is still uh, beneficial to have a competitiveness, I think, in certain regards, but um, not necessarily when we're trying to rehab and recover from pregnancy or an injury too. 
that's very helpful for people to hear, and I'm sure people will relate to it. And with recording this, we are into almost two years of this pandemic. And so like people's schedules, work, home life, childcare situations constantly changing. We were talking about that just before we uh, hit record. What tips do you share with your clients or that you'd like to share with people of finding ways, like whether pregnancy or postpartum, but really any time in life to fit in movement? Because people are are seeing the benefit or they're just like, I miss this. And it just feels like my schedule's all over the place. I don't know how to fit it in. Mm -hmm. So it'd be some helpful tips for them to kind of get more movement in their life. So I always remind clients that all movement counts. So again, just getting rid of that athlete brain thinking and realizing it doesn't have to be a specific crazy intense thing to count. So whether that I would also say find something that you enjoy or at least don't hate doing because I still have clients that you know as much as I want them to love the strength training that I give them they might just be sort of neutral about it which I think is okay Um, I think that is sort of a false narrative too that we have to learn to love exercise Um, I think you know similar to eating vegetables vegetables we might not love them we know they're really good and nutritious for us though right so Same thing with exercise, just recognizing it is so great for our bodies and our bodies are meant to move, but finding a type of movement that you can see yourself doing for life, right? So again, in our society, we sort of have this idea that we have all these like quick fixes, right? So we have these programs that are, you know, challenges and six week programs that, you know, you move for a certain amount of time and then you stop moving, right? So my big thing is How can we incorporate movement into our life that is going to be consistent, right? And for me, consistency uh, does not equate to intensity, right? Like, so um, the best way to sort of incorporate consistent movement is reminding ourselves that it doesn't have to be intense. So yeah, again, going for walks, you know, if you are someone that enjoys yoga, doing some gentle yoga, Um, I am sort of biased towards strength training because I think it's so beneficial for us, um, especially as women as we age. So that is my love is trying to um, show women that they can incorporate strength training into their life in a way that's sustainable, in a way that's realistic, in a way that's not intimidating. And so the sessions that I create for my clients are typically less than half an hour Um, And there's options even for like a five to 10 minute session if they want. So just reminding yourself that, you know, if you only have a 10 minute chunk of time. So I know during the postpartum phase, I would try when my girls were napping, I would try to just put 10 minutes on the clock, pick say like three movements. So whether that's a squat, um, a push up on a counter, so like an incline push up and, you know, like a core type movement, pick three movements and just do 10 reps of each and just move for that 10 minute time. Right. And so just not making it complicated, um, is a big part of it too. Um, and I, and I will say to sort of like promote my program, but if you can have, if you can work with someone that can provide a plan for you, that's a huge, you know, barrier too for people, myself included. So even again, I do this for a living and in the postpartum phase, your mind is so jumbled in many different directions. And so I would start to program workouts for myself on the weekends. So I would give myself like a month worth worth of workouts. That's honestly what got me into this business is I started doing that for myself. And I had friends saying, Oh, can you do that for me too? So that's what got me into it. So 
having a plan um, is a huge part of it too. A couple of things I remind my clients is, um, this is what I learned from Jesse Mundell is uh, don't change into workout clothes. So decrease the barriers to entry, right? So workout and whatever you're wearing, um, have your equipment in plain sight. So I have my dumbbells out in the basement that I can see at all times. Um, so just get rid of anything that's going to sort of prevent you from participating in movement. I love that. Those are really great tips. And it's, and you're right. It's like whatever people enjoy doing, Yeah. like focus on that versus feeling like you have to do a certain type of exercise. I remember you sharing on Instagram and I was curious if you're open to sharing more about your experience with running. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like you had a different like journeys with it postpartum, getting back to running also finding that you were actually enjoying walking and different things mm-hmm. like that. So what did that journey look like? And did you run between pregnancies or was it not until after Tegan? Yeah, I, after? so as part of CrossFit, there's, there tends to be workouts with mm-hmm. running involved. So yeah. yeah, so that, that's an interesting whole part of my journey too, is that part of CrossFit is it's very intense, right? And again, there's different sort of levels of CrossFit, but I, I loved the intense uh, side of CrossFit and I competed a few times in CrossFit. And so, yeah, so I, when I was getting back um, after Tegan, so I think I was nervous to run um, after Tegan because up until that point, any sort of impact movement. So even like burpees, um, jump squats, things like that brought on the heaviness uh, the prolapse symptoms. So I was nervous to run. And so I put it off. I don't think I tried running until like six months postpartum, but in that time, I really learned to love walking, which sounds so silly, but yeah. So again, for me, it was the mindset shift. It was realizing that walking counts. Right. And again, like it's silly that we have to get to that point, but up until that point, I'm like, why would someone go for a walk like that? You know, that's not intense enough. They're not getting their heart rate up. And it's funny too, because I had these standards for myself, but knowing as a physio, I would tell my clients to go for walks. But when it came to myself, I was like, no, that that's not hard enough. Right. So I had very hard standards for myself. And so I really learned to love walking. And still to this day, I really love my leisurely walks. And I'll remind my clients all the time that that counts as movement. And it's so good for my mental health. Um, yeah, so now I, I did eventually get back into running. I, I've never been someone that loves running. So it wasn't like top of my list for goals. But I did prove to myself just through some modifications and just again, being aware of different tendencies um, with pelvic floor related things, I was able to get back to running and running for me is just like intervals, I would do it with my workouts, I would, I'm not a huge like go for a long distance run person. But yeah, just learning to love slow leisurely walks was a huge shift for me. Yeah, I think that's great for people to hear, right? And I, I do know a lot of people who are surprised with that. They're like, huh. It's just different, right? If that's mm-hmm. not something you consistently are used to. And another way, another form of exercise, especially right now, I think getting out the fresh air, getting moving, a lot of people are refinding their love of walking or are discovering it for the first time. So that's, totally. that's so great to hear. Now, what would be like one piece of advice you would give to someone who is navigating your know, first year postpartum recovery, getting back to exercise? What, what would be a, like your main piece of advice for them? So I always say to my clients, just be kind to yourself, just be gentle with yourself, right? And just, again, a lot of it is this mindset shift of not expecting ourselves to 
bounce back as society tells us we should, right? And so just being mindful of our movement choices. And I, you know, I love empowering women and I love encouraging them to get back into movement. But again, I think just recognizing that it doesn't have to look a certain way, right? So I'm all about finding support systems too. So making sure, you know, if you have the means, um, I always recommend going to see an internal pelvic floor therapist just to get an idea of what's going on with your pelvic floor. I am a huge proponent of mental health support as well. And again, I know not everyone has the means to attend an appointment for that, but I think that's a huge part of it too. And that was a big part of my journey is that I realized how much I relied on intense exercise to help with my anxiety. And just part of that transition was trying to find other ways to manage my anxiety other than exercise when I couldn't work out as intensely. So for me, things like if you can find um, a practice to help with your mental health, so whether that's like meditation, journaling, going for walks, making sure you have a good support system of friends and family that you can talk to, to me, that's a almost bigger part of a journey of the journey than the physical part of things, right? So I always say that to clients. It's to me, it's so much more than just the fitness, right? Fitness is just sort of a vehicle to help us feel good, help us uh, feel strong. But it's more, you know, we have to work on ourselves as whole people, not just the physical body. So I'd say those are the two big things. Uh, oh, I love that. Always combining, right? The physical mm-hmm. and the mental health. So they just go right together. So yeah, so there's so many ways. I know people are going to want to hear more from you. I'd love for you to share more about the podcast that you co-host, the Public Health and Fitness Podcast. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So my friend Dana and I, so her handle on Instagram is pick up the blueberry, which is super cute. Um, so she is a pelvic floor physiotherapist in London, Ontario, and her and I are friends from Western from the physiotherapy program. And during the pandemic, we, so this is when I was, you know, getting really into the pelvic health side of things. So we of course had such awesome talks. We did a couple of Instagram lives and yeah, so I think it was Dana initially that was like, we should do a podcast. And at first, you know, I'm sure you were the same way. I'm like, ah, I don't know, like, who am I to have a podcast? And is that going to be too much work? And I don't even know how to start, right? So all the all the fears and things were in my head, but we just kind of kept tossing it around and then eventually decided, let's just try, you know, let's just try and do it. And so, yeah, it's been awesome. So I think we're about 17 episodes in. And we release episodes every two weeks just to keep it to a level that's doable for us. We're both busy moms. And I know you as a podcast recorder understand how hard it can be to juggle everything. So it's been working really well. And yeah, just loving uh, connecting with people in this field um, and just having awesome conversations. Yeah, awesome. And we will put the links to the podcast, but also how people can work with you because you see people went to one as a physio, as a coach, and then you also have your strong at home membership. So can you share Mm -hmm. a bit more about those options? For sure. Yeah. So um, officially as of January, 2022, I am off on my own full time. And so I offer virtual physiotherapy. So I'm fully 100% virtual as of now. And so I do one-on-one virtual physio. So if you're someone that wants to have some guidance with getting back into exercise postpartum, I'd say that's sort of my jam. That's my ideal client. I love working with those clients. Um, And then I also have, like you said, a strong at-home membership option. So that is more 
uh, a little bit more hands-off from me, but also I, I can't be fully hands-off with people. I love really kind of diving in and getting to know people. So with those clients, I do a virtual physio assessment with them. So I get to, I get them to tell me their history. We go into any symptoms, injuries that they're dealing with. Um, and then I create a plan for them that they do on their own time. So that is delivered through a free app called True Coach. And I, again, I'm, I'm fully involved with them still. So I'll message them after each workout, see how things are feeling. If they need modifications, I'll modify their program on the go. So yeah, so that's more, uh, it's a wonderful option for moms um, who might not be able to make appointments with me because I know that can be a barrier. So they can do it when, whenever they can. So when baby's napping, when baby goes to bed, um, whenever they have a free moment, they can do that workout and they still have support and guidance from me. Amazing. So lots of different ways people can learn more from you. And then also how we talked about for Instagram. So yes, definitely check the show notes for all the links. Thank you so much for being on run and just sharing your own experience, but you know, how you've gotten to this point too, with your journey and just how you work with clients. It's been pretty awesome to see over time. And I remember hearing from you being like, because of the podcast, like I'm going into this and I know there were many other factors involved with that. But uh, Jess and I want to say we're, we're glad that that was a part of your journey. Oh, I'm so thankful. Yeah, I reached out to you initially because I remember finding, I knew of Jesse, and so I was following her and I, you know, I think I just honestly Googled pelvic, pelvic floor podcast. I don't, I don't think I even realized you all had a podcast and found the podcast and then, yeah, looked up because I saw Anita, but it was a different last name. So I didn't recognize yeah. your last name at first. And uh, yeah, I was like, oh, I know her. So yeah, that's when I reached out to you. And yeah, the world is just so wonderful that way, right? And so yeah, I've said to you both many times, I'm just so thankful for your podcast. And it really is what got me into this world and what got me super passionate about it. And I just think it's so amazing. We live in a world where, yeah, podcasts exist and we can educate people in such a way that's so accessible for so many people. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rhonda, for being on. Thanks, Nita. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 